Um, and so kind of a, I guess, I know, I know people like to give titles to their messages, and um, I didn't really give it a title, but I was just looking over it um, as I was getting ready this morning and waiting for church to start. Um, and just kind of a theme that I'm going to be talking about is authenticity and reflection. Um, so our scripture this morning is from Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. All right, so starting off with just a little, a little background, some context. Um, and so first, Colossians is a letter written by Paul, um, and we've learned about others, other letters that he's written, um, most of which he was imprisoned at the time for sharing the news that Jesus is the risen Lord, um, and he was writing this letter to the church in Colossae. Paul had never been to the church, um, but the believers there knew of him, and they respected his authority. Paul's connection to and knowledge of Colossae came from Epaphras, a man he had previously worked with who was from that city. Paul had sent Epaphras to teach the Colossians about Jesus, and when he had and when he was later arrested and imprisoned in Rome himself, he let Paul know what was happening in the Colossian church. The Colossian church was mostly comprised of Gentiles, and like other churches at the time, they were being pressured to follow Jewish law and were plagued with false teachings that were diminishing the truth about Jesus and claiming to have special spiritual understandings. And this letter, Paul delivers a crystal clear message about Jesus, the risen Lord, and about the all-encompassing impact of Jesus on believers. And so kind of my first takeaway um, as I was reading really came from that background and the context. Um, and the words, concerns about the direction the church was taking jumped out at me. Um, the letter was written in response to the concerns about the direction that the church in Colossae was taking. It stood out to me because although we live in vastly different times, and obviously things have changed, a lot of things have changed, right? It's not the same time. Um, but we're still facing the same issues. We are still facing the same issues. Um, and I have shared in the past um, that I was pushed away from Christianity for quite a number of years. Um, and really the reason for that, you could say, was because of the direction the church was taking. Uh, meaning the way I often saw Christians acting. Some of the churches I was exposed to seemed to contradict themselves. Preaching of love, but gossiping, being crit you know, criticizing, talking about people behind their backs. Um, just things that didn't sit well with me, that did not um, align with what they were saying when they were in public or preaching. Um, and 
I have met many people um, before this church, but even through this church, I've met many people who have similar experiences um, and have a similar background in that experience. Um, and unfortunately, just like the church in Colossae, the church can often start to veer off away from Christ. So, the church in Colossae was facing you know, a particular direction, um, that of false teachers who were um, you know, partially claiming that God was not, in fact, God in human form, or that Jesus was not, in fact, God in human form. Um, again, they were being pressured to follow Jewish law. Um, there was also some mixing of uh, like Greek gods and, and those things with Jesus, him kind of just being added on, um, and just kind of diminishing the truth about Christ. Um, and we could say there's lots of directions probably that the church is taking in our day. Um, and I think that the, or the consequences are ultimately the same though. That whatever direction, whatever issues we're facing um, as the body of Christ, the consequence of it veering away from Jesus is that it separates people from God. Um, so the verses today that we highlight um, really illustrate exactly how the church is supposed to be, how we as Christians should be and should act and, you know, should come off, um, and not feeling and seeing these char characteristics that we're going to talk about are, are in people that are claiming to represent the church is exactly the reason that many have turned away or are turning away from the church. And just a little kind of side note that as today is um, youth explosion, and we were a little light on the, the extra added things of youth today, which is a bummer, but you know, the pandemic does not help with that. Um, but still, I wanna focus on youth, and so I was trying to think about how what I say today might relate or connect um, to our young people. And it made me think about, just like, you know, I'm talking about as an adult having been pushed away from the church, that as many of our kids and our youth start to mature and form their own opinions, um, they're often leaving, uh, they're, all, they're often leaving or not being drawn to Christianity. And I think this is connected again with the direction the church is taking. When I think about kids uh, today and just in general, uh, one thing I know for sure, they are not dumb. They are not dumb. We act like as adults, we know it all, we've got it under control, and like they just need to listen and do what they're told, and that's, you know, that's its own thing, but they're not dumb. Um, and especially as an educator, I have learned that one of the most important things to building relationship with students is authenticity. If you're putting on a show and pretending to be things that you are not, the kids will see right through you. Um, they're not gonna fall for it, right? They can tell if you're being authentic. Um, and I think that's exactly the problem facing the church. If believers say all the right things and preach of love and patience and mercy, but we don't follow it up with action, it is not authentic and therefore not trustworthy. So going back to the scripture, um, Paul lays out a very clear picture of what, a, of what being a believer should look like. And we see in verse 11 that it applies to all who place their faith in Christ. He has no favorites, it's, right? It says that uh, you know, there are no Gentiles or Jews. Um, basically, we are all, Christ is in all and is all. So we're, it's everyone who places their faith in Christ. So moving on to kind of my second takeaway um, is that as Christ followers, we are to put on Christ. 
In verse 12, Paul says to clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We are to forgive as we have been forgiven, and we are to put love above all else. It's very lofty aspirations. Put that little note. Uh, it sounds a bit overwhelming, right? And if we reflect and think about ourselves, I think daily we have work to do, right? Those are a lot of wonderful things that we are supposed to put on. We are supposed to take those characteristics of Christ and put them on. Um, we can't just talk about those things. We have to embody them. In a previous verse, Paul asks, if you died to Christ, to the elements of this world, why do you still live as if you still belong to this world? And this is where authenticity comes into play. Are we just talking a big game, claiming to believe but continuing to live as we always have, or do we truly believe? If we truly accept Jesus and allow him to rule in our hearts, then there has to be some sort of transformation. If we're just the same old person we were yesterday and last year and five years ago and ten years ago, then I think we're just talking a big game. Um, so this isn't to say that like immediately we become perfect, right? That's not, that's not how it works. Um, because ultimately we are still sinners, but through relationship with Jesus, through prayer, reading the word, fellowshipping with other believers, truly being in relationship with Christ, we become more like him um, because we should be dependent on him instead of ourselves. As we grow in Christ, we should be more and more dependent on him because we cannot do it by ourselves. Um, which leads me to a little point about Pastor and how he often jokes, uh, you know, that maybe, say, maybe you are better than I, right? He'll be up here and he'll say that. Maybe you all, you know, you've got it all together. You're better than I am, right? Um, but he admits he's got about 15 seconds, maybe, before he would say or do the wrong thing. Um, he is very clear that he cannot do it on his own, and this is true for all of us. Um, we cannot be anything other than sinners on our own. We have to truly be seeking God in everything we do all day, every day. Um, and this is how we clothe ourselves, as Paul writes, with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. It is through Christ. And go back to authenticity again. Um, that This is another area where we can get ourselves into trouble as well. Um, part, of this trans uh, part of this transformation, I think, has to include transparency. Um, being honest about the fact that sometimes we revert back to thinking we can handle things on our own. And in those moments, we mess up. Um, I think we have to remember and admit that we are all sinners and we will never be perfect. Um, while we should be more like Christ every day through deepening our relationship and reliance on him, we can never actually achieve Christ-like perfection. We are, we, right, we can't. Um, we are going to mess up and fall down and get in our own way. Probably get in our own way a lot. We might get in our own way every day. I think sometimes when we share Christ with others, we again talk a big game and act like we're perfect and wonderful or like everything in our lives is perfect and wonderful. Um, and we forget to be authentic and honest in our testimony. Um, and like we talked about before, kids, youth, young adults, really whoever, um, we'll see right through that and not trust what we have to say. Um, and I think, obviously, as believers, we're called to like, lead others to Christ, right? Um, and so it's very important that we're being authentic 
and believable. If we just, you know, if, if every five minutes I'm talking about God and bringing up Jesus and doing all this and that and I say it all day long, it doesn't matter if my behavior and my temperament and everything doesn't match that. Um, I mean, I think I wrote example. Just trying to, trying to make sure, add some in here, see if I can, so we're not done too early today. I'm trying to make sure I talk long enough. Uh, so I wrote example. So I was just thinking about my own life um, and how, you know, sometimes we're critical of ourselves. I remember recently saying something, I was being kind of hard on myself, and, and Gail pointed out, it was in Lyft, um, Gail pointed out that just the fact that I even acknowledge that I have room to grow is in itself growth, right? And just learning to see those things. And sometimes I think we, we, we don't see that. And so I can reflect and just think about being in the second year of a pandemic. Um, like my husband said, I'm working from home, but the first year, it was a previous school. It's just, it's been a lot of ups and downs, right? Alana was home. We were all home last year. Um, and obviously everybody, we've all lived through this. We know it's challenging and just reflecting on the fact that um, things have gone well. So like looking at positives and being, you know, reflective of those positives, I can see that there's been growth in our family. I can see that there's been growth in, our, in my marriage, um, in myself as a parent, because we would not have made it through these two years if there hadn't been growth. Um, and that growth comes from our continued effort to, to be in relationship with God. Um, and just like I mentioned, does not mean we are not perfect. There are so many days, and everyone who has children, I'm sure, understands. There are so many days where, the, you know, your tempers are, tempers are short, your patience is short, children are frustrating. And there's so many days where I catch myself just praying, like, Lord Jesus, forgive me for getting frustrated with them. Forgive me. Help me to be patient. Just constantly praying. Right? So it does not mean that we are perfect or that things are perfect, but, but things should start to feel easier even in challenging times. Um, so I think as Christians, we have to be reflective and honest and ask ourselves if we are truly surrendering and letting God rule in our lives. Are we negative, angry, complaining, spiteful, arrogant, critical of others, full of hate? Do we run our mouths, gossip about others, or have we put those things to death? We should be going to God daily and giving him control, allowing ourselves to show God's love in our words and actions. Are we being authentic and allowing Christ to align our words and actions? Not just talking a big talk and saying we are these things, but truly exhibiting Christ-like characteristics. Um, and as adults... Sorry, I get my little water bottle. Apparently it's been too long since I've done sign language with her. My son would know what that meant. <laughs> Thank you. Um, one moment. So, sorry, as adults it becomes even more important for us, and I, and I wrote this and I don't totally love the wording, so I'm going to veer off for just a moment. Not that it becomes more important, because whether or not we have children, whether or not we are parents, allowing God to rule in our lives is obviously like the most important thing. Um, so I wrote even more important, but more, more so just thinking about the impact that we have. Um, maybe you're not a parent, but children are always watching, right? When we're here in church when, church, when church is over and there's some people lingering, there's often kids lingering. So they might not be your kids, but they are watching. Children are observant, right? They watch what the adults in their lives do. 
So not just if we are parents or grandparents, um, but just in general, as we mature in Christ, I suppose I should say, it becomes more important for us to allow God to rule in our lives and create authenticity in our words and actions because, again, our kids, the kids, any kids, are watching. People are watching. It doesn't even have to be children. Um, But speaking of kids, as it's you Sunday, children are not as worried about what we say as they are about what we do and how we live. I think about my daughter, who's nearing middle school, far sooner than I'm mentally prepared. Not at all prepared for that. I'm like, how are you almost in middle school? It's crazy. Um, But already in elementary school, I'm starting to see her struggle with social pressures, conflict, drama, navigating friendships. Um, It's already starting to feel kind of like middle school and things that I remember going through. Um, She's starting to develop more and more into her own person. And as this happens, it is even more important for the adults in her life to model what we are trying to instill in her. We have to practice what we preach, so to speak. If I am trying to encourage her to be loving, kind, and forgiving without modeling those things in my own life, it will not stick. Um, The old do-what-I-say-not-what-I-do mentality doesn't work. It does not. They model what they see. Children model what they see. Um, Behavior of those around them, the environments that they're in, that is what molds them. Um, If you cuss and act crazy, criticize and talk trash, you can be pretty sure your kids are probably going to behave in similar ways. Um, And that is like, what a horrifying idea, right? But God. So luckily, it's not all on us. Um, We don't have to do it all ourselves. It should not be that horrifying because it is not us. It is not on us. Um, We can't, just like we talked about earlier, we can't do it all. Um, It is about God. It's not about us, Um, even as parents. And I know it's real easy as adults to want to kind of like live vicariously through our kids and and feel like we're doing something right, like we're being good parents. It's it's right, like I'm the reason for all those things. And it's not. God allowed us to be their parents in the first place. God's just entrusting us with them for a period of time. They're not even ours. They are his. Um, And uh, let's see. We can't credit ourselves with anything. Um, The more we are in relationship with Christ and letting his will have control, the easier it is to put on Christ and model that for those children. Um, So, moving on a little more into the scripture. Um, The next, uh, in verse 15, Paul tells us to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. This is another area, I think, for self-reflection, as it is part of the transformation that takes place if we truly allow God to rule in our lives. Just like putting on Christ or exhibiting Christ-like characteristics like compassion, forgiveness, and most of all love becomes who we are when we allow Jesus into our hearts, so should the peace of, so, sorry, so should the peace of Christ become part of who we are as believers. And again, this does not mean that life becomes easy or perfect as Christians. Um, but it should mean that we have a little bit of calmness about us. Um, even in rough times and suffering uh, through all that life can throw at us, the peace of Christ 
should allow us to be calm and know that we have made the right decisions and that our, right, our life is going in the right direction, even if it seems hard in that moment. If as soon as life gets hard, we fall apart, that tells us that Christ is not really in control and we are trying to do it all ourselves. We have to reflect daily on our thoughts, words, and actions and pray for God's will to be in control. We have to go to him and depend on him in order to be more like him and have that peace of Christ. Um, and again, I think this is another area um, in another, sorry, I don't know about my wording here. Um, let's see, this is in another area oh, that can either, sorry, that can either draw others to Christ or push them away. Um, if we go around claiming to follow Christ, but we are a hot mess and spinning out of control and losing our cool every time life throws us a curveball, others will see that. And it won't matter how great we say our God is because our behavior doesn't reflect that to be true. Um, Pastor, Pastor often says there should be something about us that others pick up on and make them want to know more. Right? And I think that kind of inner calm is a big piece of that, right? When living through the pandemic, how, how are we handling that? How is that impacting us? How is our attitude? You know, how are we treating others when it's been a rough week and things have been crazy? Um, and so, oh, I say the last, all right, I've tried to be long. In my notes it says the last big takeaway. I'm like, oh no, I'm already near the end. Okay, that's okay. All right. Um, so yeah, in one of the last big takeaways um, for me in these verses, Paul reminds us that whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Um, again, I think this is an opportunity for reflection and authenticity. We should be striving to please God in everything that we say and do, and we should do these things with a thankful heart. Are we truly seeking after God every day, or are we worried about our own selfish desires? Are we focused on God's will, or striving after things of the world and trying to bring about our own will? Um, I feel like this comes up often. People talk about, you know, how are we praying? Are we, are we truly going for God's will, or are we like, we make our own plans? Um, in Lyft recently, we talked about um, Martha and Mary. Um, and how Martha is very, you know, kind of type A and planning and organized, and she was so mad that Mary was just being lazy and hanging out with Jesus, and it's like, well, that was the best thing to do in that moment, right? It's, it's fine to, to have these plans, um, but if they're getting in the way of your relationship, then that's not what's best. Um, and I was going off script there, and I forgot my point of that. Um, Oh, just, yeah, just talking about our, our desire and our, our will versus God's will, right? Oftentimes, we create these plans first. We get everything in order. We have pictures of what our life should look like in our head. And then we go to God after the fact. And we ask him to, like, make it all fit, right? Let this be your will. Instead of asking what his will was in the first place, we create it all and we try to make it start to happen. And it's like, all right, Lord. Finish it up, make it work, Let's make this picture a reality. Um, and 
So like all of these things that Paul has laid out, these things take time, effort, and a constant deepening of our relationship and dependence on Christ. But as we learn to focus on pleasing God and doing everything in the name of Jesus, we become increasingly faithful. Just like Paul found joy in his own suffering and imprisonment, which is a crazy thought, right? He was in prison writing this letter, and he starts it off um, praying for this church and then talking about his suffering and how he gives thanks for that suffering because it is to bring the word of Jesus to others. Um, And so ultimately, he is thankful to be serving and doing God's will, even if it means being in jail. Um, So we can also learn to be thankful for every day, good or bad. If we surrender our lives to God and truly do everything for Jesus, then we understand and can give thanks for all things because even in suffering, we are living out God's will and are a part of his plan. And it's all part of our spiritual development. Um, and that's something else we talked about in Lyft recently is that it's, it's not about us, that sometimes we don't get clarity in the fullness of our assignment because something that's happening in our life might not even be for us. So there might never be an understanding about why something had to happen, why we had to go through um, something challenging, why we had to deal with suffering. We don't always get to know that, but if we're going to God and dependent on God and allowing him to rule, then we know that it is part of his plan and that our life is still going in the right direction, even if it really sucks in those moments. Um, So as I conclude, I encourage you to constantly reflect and ask yourselves, Are you a part of the body of Christ, of the church, doing your part to keep it going in the right direction? Or are you veering off and away from Christ? Are you putting to death the ways of the world and putting on Christ? Do you feel the peace of Christ at work in your life? Are you doing all things in the name of Jesus with a heart of thanksgiving to God the Father? And lastly, are you allowing Christ to rule in your life, creating authenticity and alignment of your talk and your walk, which ultimately creates trust and allows others to be drawn into the body of Christ as well.